0: This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's new book, The Vision-Driven Leader. Order your copy for free bonuses today at visiondrivenleader.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt.
1: And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller.
2: And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're going to give you some tips on selecting the tools that your business probably needs for doing remote work.
1: Yeah, well, suddenly everybody's having to deal with remote work, whether you like it or not. And if you're running a business right now, you're probably doing it remotely. I mean, that's kind of our best case scenario in the middle of this crisis is that we're able to continue working at home, right? Um, And there are certainly tons of benefits to remote work, but there are also some definite challenges. One of the biggest is figuring out how to communicate and collaborate and stay connected with a remote team. I mean, it's just not as easy as when you're all in the same space. And it's just not as simple as plugging in the laptop and sitting on the couch either, right?
2: Now that's exactly right. But today we're going to give you some help by letting you in on our top tech tools for remote work. Always one of my favorite things. But to do that, we're going to bring in Larry to help guide us through the conversation. Hey, Larry. Hey, everybody. Good to see you again.
3: Michael, you started this company as a remote company and both of you... Megan and Michael have a fairly long experience at working remotely. So this isn't something that we started or you started uh, at the beginning of this coronavirus crisis. What were some of the challenges that you faced really back in the early days of remote working?
2: Yeah, we've been doing this now for about nine years. So back when there weren't the cool tools that they're available now, but we made it work. You know, we didn't have things like video conferencing, at least it wasn't the quality that we have today. And we had a lot of other things that were issues as well. But some of the challenges, team communication, you know, email gets kind of cumbersome. You go back to try to, you know, find a message that's buried in a bunch of other messages and a thread that's, you know, 10 communiques long. Project management, uh, conferencing, like I said, conference calls, so unwieldy. Every time I get on a conference call now, I'm just reminded of how much I hate them but we've got better solutions today. Document management and collaboration. Like when you, you're, you're trying to control the you know, version control, like who worked or who changed the document last, and how do I know, know that I'm working uh, on the latest version of it? And then there's just a the workspace. You know, most people don't have an office already set up in their home, or maybe they've got young kids underfoot or pets and all the distractions that that brings.
1: It's really a challenge. Um, I think one of the most important things to remember is that you've got to let go of recreating your actual office. I mean, no matter what you do, your virtual office or your remote working experience is not going to be exactly the same. It's going to look different. Um, You're going to need to use different tools and technologies. And when you get the right tools, you can actually be as efficient as you are in the office working remotely as a team, but you've got to have the right tools. And that's what we're going to show you how to do today.
3: Today, we're saying that you can be highly effective and efficient while working remotely if you have the right tools. And so we're here to share some of our favorites with you. Now, rest assured, we'll have all these available for you in the show notes at lead2.win. So let's get right to tool number one, which is everybody's favorite,
2: Slack. Yeah, Slack is our tool for internal communication. It's completely replaced internal Email, so we don't email each other at all anymore, and we've been using this for probably four years. Megan, do you think? I think so, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So here's the thing: when you're working remotely, you're missing all the opportunities for in, informal communication, drop-in visits, lunchroom conversations, quick chats, before and after messages or meetings. But we use Slack every single day for all internal communications. In fact, we have a rule that we don't communicate via email unless we happen to be forwarding an email to somebody in our team. But um, most people are familiar with it. But if not, you got to check out slack.com. It's kind of like social media in some ways. And in other words, it allows you to communicate quickly and spontaneously. And it's a lot of fun. It just seems a lot less formal than email. And it really kind of has sort of the benefit of chat but also not the, the distraction side of chat, because you can use it either synchronistically, which means you communicate in real time. You can actually see when somebody's responding back to you, it says, you know, Megan is typing. Or you can use it asynchronistically, which means that you can check it whenever you want it. The messages will be there whenever you're ready to process them.
1: Which is important right now because if you're working remotely, especially as a team, there's this temptation to kind of be always on, you know, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're at your computer and you're you're checking. You need to have the ability to have asynchronous communication so people can have a defined work day and not feel like they're constantly working. And so that really helps. You know, Slack is really versatile, unlike email, right? Because email, you have to have all these threads and it gets really confusing to figure out who left off where and all that kind of stuff unlike that in Slack, you can create uh, channels that are topical in nature or product based or I mean, there's a lot of ways you can organize it, but it really keeps things um, kind of like a bento box, you know, so you don't lose sight. For example, we have a podcast channel. So any communication that we have about this podcast happens in that channel. And we have a channel for uh, marketing, we have a channel for sales, we have a channel for various other products that we have, we have an HR channel, we have an employee kind of communication channel where any messages we want to share with the entire team are posted there. We also, this is fun. We also have what we're calling a good news channel. And every day we post a confidence booster uh, prompt where we ask people to share what they're grateful for about um, the team or the company. So they're just kind of looking for things that are um, making them feel grateful today and also what's making them feel confident today. And that's how we start every day in Slack. So it's just a great way to communicate even beyond the transactional nature of work so that you sort of start to simulate what people get to experience in the office when they're together.
2: You know, the other thing we should note too is that you can upload video, you can post images, you can upload files. There's a ton of add-ons that you can uh, use to expand Slack's capability. So for example, we have some automated meetings where we furnish up a, a prompt and then people answer it and then it feeds all that information into one channel.
1: Yep, you can use direct messaging, just like text, except unlike your text messages where, you know, you, you can't tell if you've read it or not, you know, doesn't, the alert doesn't stay on once you open it. Um, you can use direct messages there inside of Slack. You can also tag people in conversations like you would in Twitter or on Facebook. And so that allows people to um, kind of curate the messages that are in Slack in general. So they're only seeing the things that pertain to them. The point is, it's just really customizable and very flexible, which is exactly what you need right now to make this, make your work easier.
3: Well, I don't know how you guys feel about this feature, but I know from the team's perspective, the ability to use emojis and to upload GIFs is the fun part of using Slack. It's so Slack.
1: fun. We love that. I mean, I, I think that's what you have to realize is that there are certain intangible losses when you move from a in-person work environment to a virtual, totally 100% virtual work environment. And a lot of it is that kind of human, humorous interaction that people have. And so the the creators have, of Slack have programmed a lot of that stuff in there that you can take advantage of. And if you've been relying primarily on email as your communication tool internally, you're going to be pleasantly surprised to discover how evolved this is and how much there is available to kind of make up that gap between the in-person experience and the virtual experience.
2: You know, at one point we tried some other solutions like Microsoft Teams has a solution. Facebook has a solution. There are a bunch of knockoffs of Slack. And so I thought I had found one that had a lot better features and was more asynchronous. But what we discovered when we got in it, it just wasn't as fun. I don't know how else to explain it. But the fun factor of Slack is kind of a culture-creating or culture-reinforcing aspect to it that I, I don't even know how they package it or market it. But once you've experienced it, I would never go back.
1: Yeah, And if you're in the process of moving from being totally in-person to virtual, this is one of the most important things you have to think about is how are you going to meet the kind of basic human needs for connection that your team is used to getting in the office? How are you going to do that in a remote landscape? And that's where these tools we are recommending really come in handy.
2: Good point. So
3: tool number one for remote work is Slack. Let's get to tool number two. Zoom. I feel like we're in a comic book here. (laughs) Pow maybe is the next one, but let's talk about Zoom.
1: Well, we love Zoom. This is a, a tool for video conferencing. It is our preferred tool. And now it's the preferred tool of millions and millions and millions of people all over the world. They're, I think, struggling a little bit to keep up with the massive new demand. My, In fact, my uh, third grader was on a Zoom call with the kids in his class just yesterday. It was really fun to see. But you really need in a remote or virtual workspace, you have to have face-to-face connection with people. Even if you're not in the same room, people need to see your face, especially if you're a leader. It's important when you're delivering messages to your team during a crisis or when the stakes are high that people can read your facial expressions. And so using a video conferencing tool can really help you with that. So we use Zoom for all of our meetings that normally would have happened in person. So whether that's one-on-one meetings or departmental meetings or executive team meetings or all team meetings, including uh, coaching sessions with our coaching clients right now. Um, I mean, there's really nothing that we're not using this for. Um, Some of our team members are even using Zoom to uh, work together at the same time, kind of like create almost like a virtual coffee shop where they decide that they're going to work together for an hour, say at a time, and they're just going to jump on for the accountability of staying focused and set the timer and be face to face, but not really interacting. So there's so many ways that you can use this. Um, There's also a neat feature in Zoom called breakout rooms where you can organize people into groups so if you were to have a large meeting or maybe you wanted to host a meeting for your clients and you needed to break them up into smaller groups that's a really great feature too where it's very simple to administer you can pull people into small groups and then pull them back into the larger meeting
2: I think it's important to mention that there's basically three different flavors of zoom so there's like you know the kind of what we we do typically when we have a meeting with a couple of people or with one person and there's a free version of that and there's a paid version of that the free version, only allows you to talk for 40 minutes. Some people see that as a feature, not a limitation. So you kind of have to cut to the chase and have a 40 minute meeting. But the paid version of that gives you all the stuff that Megan was talking about. But then there's a Zoom for meetings. I'm not quite sure how these different tiers work, but that's where it has, Megan, the feature you're talking about, breakout rooms. People can raise their digital hand. Like when I do coaching sessions with our clients, people are, they come in, they're automatically muted. So they can't talk unless I unmute them and recognize them because they have their hand up, which is amazing. They've got polling inside of it. And then the big super duper version of Zoom is the webinar version that we use. And we can literally have thousands of people on a webinar. Very, very slick, very robust. We've really never had any trouble with it. But it is, you know, being hammered right now. To be honest, I've been pretty amazed at how it's held up. They've been able to scale that company Pretty quickly, even though you've got like all the major networks that are using him, Jimmy Fallon's promoted him. I mean, everybody's talking about him. They've had to have an influx of tens of millions of new users. Even my 85-year-old parents, I got on Zoom. And I'm talking with them about three or four times a week via Zoom
1: from third graders to 85 year olds everybody's using there you in, go and in between and really i think what you're saying is there are solutions that are great for somebody who's an individual or uh, a solopreneur and there are also enterprise level solutions that are almost infinitely scalable and any of those options are going to be available to you through zoom Hey, I got to say one important note about using Zoom. If you are new to video meetings, there are some etiquette pointers that you need to um, (laughs) adhere to. (laughs) First of all, you should be prepared to be on camera. There is nothing more annoying than having a video meeting with someone who's not on video. kind of defeats the whole purpose. Um, When you get on, and this is speaking as a a mother of five kids with one very loud dog also at home, um, you need to turn your mic off unless you're speaking. So, this is particularly important if you're having a group meeting, uh, but you don't really want to hear background noise. And to you, it may sound just like very quiet, ambient noise, but because of how your microphone picks up sound, it may seem particularly loud to the people that you're with. I mean, if you've ever had a a meeting like this with someone's in a coffee shop and you hear like all the barista sounds in the back, it can be nearly, you know, ear piercing. So make sure to mute yourself, make sure to be on video and make sure to not be doing other things while you're on, because remember you're on video. This is not a conversation. Conference call. You can't be answering email or texting or doing other things while you're on one
2: of these calls. And get yourself centered in the frame. How you see yourself is how other people see you. (laughs) This is one of the things I was trying to tell my dad the other day. You know, like I'm. He looked like uh, who's that old character that used to, you know, have his hands over the fence. So my dad, all I could see was like the his forehead. I said, Dad, look at your image. Uh, you know, in Zoom, I mean, you can see right there. That's what I'm seeing. I'm right. seeing it your forehead. And he's like, "Well, what's why is that a problem?"
1: <laughs> well, you don't want people looking up your nose. You don't want to be backlit. You know, you want to be appropriately dressed, like <laughs> all the things. Just
3: you know, this is one of those uh, occasions, Megan, where you mentioned that this just isn't going to be the same as the in-office experience. There's a different dynamic here. One of them is that when you are in a Zoom meeting, you're not sitting around a table. Everyone is looking straight at everyone
1: else. That's right. So
3: you're seeing everyone's facial reactions at the same time. Makes for some interesting dynamics. I think it's much more interactive than most meetings are. That's true. So tool number one is Slack. Tool number two, Zoom. Let's get to tool number three, and that is the G Suite.
2: Okay, so you've got to have a tool for document sharing. So there's a lot of them out there. Microsoft Office, they now have collaboration features, Uh, even Pages for Apple, you know, if you use that, that's got a collaboration feature. But we've looked at them all, and in our opinion, we believe that G Suite, which is Google's solution, is the best. So they have Google Docs, Google Sheets, and so forth. But what it allows you to do is to not only share documents and adjust the permission settings, so you don't have to share a document with everybody. You can share it with people outside the organization, inside the organization, and so forth. But it also will track changes. So you can literally watch each other editing the same document. Now, we never really do that, but occasionally you'll be working on the same document together. And I can be watching Joel's cursor, for example, and he's typing in stuff, and I'm typing in stuff. But it just seems to be the simplest solution out there. The other thing I like about it, because I used to like Microsoft Office because it was so stinking configurable. You know, you could adjust everything. Well, that's also the problem with it. You know, for the most part, I just need to get the content out there. I don't need a lot of fancy formatting because this document's never going to be printed. It's only going to live electronically. But even with the G Suite, you can print those uh, documents out as well. You just don't have as much control.
1: Yeah, I think the great thing about this is it's really a tool for collaboration. And if you hear us say one thing, hear this, you've got to have solutions for collaboration, because you're just not going to be doing it in the way that you previously did in a normal office setting. You know, you might be in a meeting with a whiteboard where you're collaborating, whereas now you're going to do this in an environment like G Suite, you know, in Google Docs or something like that. Um, you can set uh, the settings of Google Docs, for example, to allow people to edit, to view, or to make suggestions about what they'd like to see changed. So you can really control those things and get the input of other people key stakeholders on your team etc in a way that is is controlled but also pretty simple to use um, bonus as a working parent you can also use the tables feature in google docs to create lots of different charts and schedules for your kids i've been doing a lot of that lately and sharing it with my husband and with our older kids um, so that's an, a great feature of this as well
0: hey everybody mike boyer here Michael and Megan are sharing lots of recommendations today, but don't worry, you don't have to remember them all. We've collected all this wisdom into a handy reference that you can download from today's show notes. It's called Must Have Tech Tools for Remote Work, and you can claim your free copy right now at lead2.win. And don't forget to share this episode on your favorite social media channel. Lots of people are trying to solve the remote work puzzle right now. Let's help them out. Remember to use the hashtag lead2win. Now, Back to the show.
3: Tool number three, the G Suite. Let's get to tool number four. You need a solution for task management. And here, we don't really have one single solution because we use a lot of different things, at least in the group that's speaking to you right now.
1: Yeah. The truth is our team at large, 90% of people on our team, with the exception of our executive team probably, are using Asana as their project management tool. That's what we decided a couple of years ago was going to be the basis. The project managers on our team are using that, the executive assistants, and then individual contributors are being assigned tasks that way, uh, are completing tasks, tracking projects, all of that. We really like Asana. Um, Personally, I don't use that. Dad, I don't think you use it either at this point. That's not really a Key function of of our roles is project management.
2: I do use Todoist, but I don't keep much in there. Yeah. Because my uh, role is so narrow and the number of projects that I'm working on are are typically so big and so focused that pretty much, and I, I, you know, until I got this job, I couldn't really do this, but I can keep most of it in my head. Or I've got my assistant reminding me, or I have the few things that I need, you know, like when I have an idea that I keep in Todoist. Otherwise, you know, I'm not spending a lot of time on task management, but Asana, you know, if you've ever seen it demonstrated, we've, I've been in the trainings where somebody like John Meese on our team walks people through how to use it. It's amazing. I mean, it's so flexible. And so adaptable to your specific situation. That's one of the main reasons I think our team would tell you why they can get so much done and why they don't lose things. Everything gets tracked in Asana.
1: Right. And I think that is really useful right now. I mean, I think execution is more important than ever before, but it's also more challenging than ever before because we're not in the same office space, you know? So having a tool like this for your team or if you're on a team to suggest this to your team leader to start using it could be really helpful because this makes sure everybody knows what they need to do and by when, and you understand kind of like what the relationship is between different tasks in a project. So everybody understands how they need to contribute to get the project over the finish line by the deadline. Um, So this is a great tool. It also integrates with Slack, which is awesome. It has a bunch of integrations, which are great. So that could be a great solution for you. You need some solution for your task and project management to help you stay focused and to help your team stay focused during this time.
3: Well, as a team member, I'll put in my own little plug for Asana. It really uh, solves a lot of those, what you're supposed to do when and how you communicate with team members. It also integrates with Slack. So when you get assigned a task, it'll just pop up there and remind you. It's a great tool. Tool number five The Dome, D-O-H-M, white noise machine.
1: This might be my very best tip of all, (laughs) especially for those of us who are trying to figure out how in the world to get our work done with our kids home at the same time. You know, for the last few weeks, I've been recording a couple of podcasts every week. I've been doing webinars, Facebook lives, basically a bunch of live uh, streaming or live broadcasting where my kids walking in would be you know, not really a welcome thing. Or having them loud right outside my door. My office is right at the front of my house, next to my front door. So if the dog barks, you know, you're going to hear it. Or the kids are out there playing. So my solution is that I actually have two of these noisemakers right outside my office door in the entryway of my house, right, kind of tucked into a little corner. And the truth is, I'm rarely distracted. I mean this this has been a huge lifesaver for me. I, I want to say they're maybe around forty dollars a piece. You can get them on Amazon. Um, they come in a bunch of different colors. And there's some something about the particular frequency that they use that really is effective at cutting out uh, background noise. These are if you have ever been to therapy, or maybe even some kind of a doctor's office, you will often see these in the hallway outside of doors because they're just that effective. So for me, this is one of my real secrets to success when working at home when there are a bunch of other people at home.
2: Now, this is something we actually use in our physical office as well. We haven't been there in a month, but uh, but that's something we use in our physical office because our office is built for collaboration, primarily a co-working space, but just for our team. But it does help create a psychological space when you don't necessarily have a physical barrier. I want to mention one other option if you don't want to buy the machine, and that's I've got the white noise mm-hmm. application on my iPhone, and that's actually great. Like I use it every day when I take a nap, and... You know, this crisis is a good good time to take a nap so that you can stay, you know, rested and show up as the best version of yourself. But the white noise generator, the white noise app is a great way to do that. And it's not just white noise. They have brown noise, which is my favorite. They have, uh, you know, streams, rain, rivers, oceans, wind, I mean, a gazillion different kinds of sounds, whatever mass, kind of the distractions and the noisy stuff that would Keep you from doing your best work.
1: You know, I uh, I use the dome white noise machines when I'm trying to keep noise from coming into my office, particularly if I'm doing something like this, like a broadcast or a recording of some type. But if I'm trying to focus, and therefore, you know, I really don't want to hear anything. I'm not so worried about the sound bleeding in, but I just I want to kind of quiet my own mind. One of the tools that I love is called Focus at Will, which is a subscription music service that's been engineered for productivity and focus. That's something I learned about from a a long time ago and have really, really found it to be something I go back to over and over again. So that's another great solution.
2: Come on. You learned that from me. What do you mean? A
1: oh, wait, it was from Stu.
2: <laughs> really?
1: Our buddy, our buddy Stu. Yeah. Oh, he got Shout it out. Me. Stu McLaren.
3: Now, speaking of tools to help you create a little private space, this brings us to tool number six headphones, I think everybody would agree if you're going to get in a quiet zone in your home with other people present, headphones are a must. I imagine we're all using something different as a solution here. So, So
2: let's do a little round robin. Michael, what do you use for headphones? I'm using the Apple AirPods Pro, which I love because they're noise canceling. These are the latest and greatest version of these. I was using the Bose Uh, noise canceling headphones before. And I've got two versions of that, the over the ear, and I've got the little small buds, which are great too. But the AirPods Pro, which is really hard to say, by the way, is uh, they're just nice because they're small and compact and I could take them with me anywhere. Megan, what are you using?
1: Well, I was feeling pretty good about it until <laughs> my dad just shared. I've just got the regular old <laughs> boring AirPods, which wah, I actually love. Like. <laughs> They're awesome. I actually forgot that the Pros are noise canceling though, which makes me want to go ahead and order the new ones. But honestly, the the AirPods that I'm using are are plenty sufficient. I just have to, you know, turn it up loud enough to drown out the kids in the background. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm using the Bose noise cancellation headphones, and I'm telling you, it feels like you have stepped into the cone of silence when mm. you put these things on. They are pretty it, they're great. just amazing. And uh, if you live on a busy street or you have people in the house, it's just fantastic. So tool number six, you've got to have something for a headphone solution, whether it's uh, the regular... AirPods, the AirPod Pros, or even a pair of earbuds, something to help you focus when you're working at home. And that brings us to our seventh and last tool for
2: today, a stand-up desk. Yes, I've been using one of these for about 12 years. So when I was CEO of Thomas Nelson, I had one. Everybody thought I was out of my mind, but I loved it. I stood up every day, all day, and I've been doing that, like I said, for about a dozen years. Now I have a custom-made stand-up desk. I found a local cabinet maker or furniture maker, and he made me this beautiful thing that allows me to put three monitors on it. And I mean it's it's like I'm at the uh, at the helm of the Starship Enterprise. It's pretty awesome. If the Enterprise was made out of wood, you know, and beautiful. (laughs) So, So you have to use your imagination there. But but the thing I like about it, it really does keep me alert. It keeps me focused. And you burn a lot more calories when you're standing than when you're sitting, because as somebody said, sitting is kind of the new smoking. It's not as good for your health. And I occasionally sit down. You know, I'll I'll go in the house and maybe work, you know, somewhere else where I can sit down. But I I just love standing. It's just kind of my natural posture now.
1: Well, I like it too. I have a stand-up desk at at my house. And one of the things I really enjoy about working from home is that I have one. You know, if I'm at the office, I'm normally in a meeting and I'm sitting at a conference table. So it's kind of an unexpected benefit of being home is the opportunity to use my stand-up desk more often. Um, We have them in our co-working space as well, but I'm not normally there doing that kind of work. I'm normally there for meetings. So anyway, something to try if you've never done it before. There are some great YouTube videos or you can go on Pinterest and find ways that you can kind of make one. Yourself. You don't necessarily have to buy one. You certainly can. But there are a lot of ways to sort of make this work um, and give it a shot and see if you like it before you really commit.
2: Yeah. And you can kind of go expensive or cheap on this. I mean, to get a custom one built, this cost me probably about $1,200, which is a lot to invest. But for me, it's a piece of furniture. So a better option, a cheaper option that I absolutely love. And you guys, I don't know if you can see it back over here next to me, but I have another stand up desk in my office where I've got a secondary monitor and a piano keyboard, believe it or not. But it's the ABLE, A-B-L-E, adjustable stand-up desk. The cool thing about that is you can raise it and lower it. So if you decide you want to sit down for a while, your whole desk just comes down, you know, to the normal size of uh, of a desk and it's totally adjustable all the way up. So you can raise it or lower it at will.
1: Pretty fancy.
3: Well, as I look at the lineup, and we're recording this remotely, of course, and using video technology, and of the four of us on this call, I'm the only one sitting down. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this might be an opportunity to try a stand-up desk, because if you're in a lot of office environments, maybe uh, you don't have that option. But in your home, uh, you can experiment and do what you will. So tool number seven, a stand-up desk. Well, today we've learned that there are some tools you really need or need to consider to be effective when working remotely. And we've given you at least seven good tips today. And as a reminder, we'll provide that complete list for you in today's show notes at lead2.win. So what are your final thoughts today?
1: Well, I would say if you're new to remote working, be encouraged. There's never been a better time to enter this world. You know, there are more tools available than ever before. As we said at the beginning of this episode when we started, there weren't half the number of tools that are available now that we get to use. So it's a really good time to do this. And um, it's it's a time that we all kind of feel like we can experiment a little more because we have to. I would just say that the thing not to forget is that your team uh, is still human. You know, you need to find ways to build in human connection and collaboration amidst the productivity and kind of transactional nature of work. Um, that's really what makes remote work successful long term for the people who are doing it exclusively and are doing it well. So think about that if you're a leader um, or even, even a team member, you know, how can you help uh, the fellow people on your team to feel connected to one another, even if you're not together? face to face in person.
2: One of the questions that we love to ask around here is what does this make possible? And the question I would ask is what does remote work make possible? I think it's a great opportunity. I think for those of you that have never tried it, you might just find that you're more more focused, more productive, and enjoy it more than a traditional office environment. And i still, you know, I'm looking forward to get to getting together face to face with my teammates, but honestly, even before the crisis, I was working probably 85% of my time remotely, you know, out of my home office, and I love it. But this is a chance to reinvent work and make it work for you. Well, Michael and Megan, thank you for these great tips today,
3: and I think I'm going to run right out and get myself a stand-up desk. Uh, no hey. way. I I can't because of the coronavirus crisis, so I'll have to put that one on hold.
1: You can order it.
3: (laughs) Okay, maybe I'll do that. Amazon. Thank you for these great
2: tips. Hey, thanks, Larry. Thank you guys for joining us today, and we'll see you right here next week. But until then, lead to win.
0: This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's new book, The Vision Driven Leader. Order your copy for free bonuses today at visiondrivenleader.com.